Genesis 32, Genesis 32. So we're going to actually cover the entire chapter here, Genesis 32, but we're going to just read uh, verses 24 uh, to 32 for the sake of time. Everyone there? Amen. Genesis 32, Genesis 32, 24. And the Bible reads, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he had saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, and this is Jacob talking, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hath, has power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Yeah. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, yeah. and my life is preserved. And as he passed over uh, Penuel, and the sun rose upon him, he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for today and just the opportunity to preach your word today. And right now I feel very inadequate and unworthy to be able to be um, here on this pulpit to preach your word, and I pray that you just give me grace as I preach your word today. pray that you give me clarity in my speech and that uh, just your truth would be known to your people today, and I pray that it would be just even a blessing to one person in this room, and I know it's been a blessing to me and the truth that you've showed me through your word uh, here in Genesis 32 in the life of Jacob, and I pray that you just help me to convey that truth to your people tonight. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So as a kid, um, I looked forward to many things. Um, I looked forward to getting home from school to watch TV. Um, I looked forward to going to the swimming pool in the summer. Our, our community had a public swimming pool that our mom, my mom would take us to. You know, I looked forward to going to baseball games uh, with my dad. And I looked forward to, to going on family vacations. But however, there was one thing that I did not look forward to. And that was getting spanking from my parents. You know, I got spanked a lot as a kid. Um, I got spanked for disobeying my parents. I got spanked uh, for lying. I got spanked for talking back. I got spanked for being mean to my brother. Um, I got spanked for everything. You can name it. You know, receiving, receiving the spankful in and of, in it of itself was very painful for me. Um, but what was just as painful um, or even sometimes a little more painful than receiving spanking was the time in between mom said, I'm going to spank you, and the time in between the time when she actually spanked you. Yes. Yes. You know, when we did something bad during the daytime, um, my mom would spank us on the spot. You know, this, this time in between, that empty time before uh, when she said it and when she actually perform, performed the spanking, you know, it was short and fast. Um, you know, this was, this was endurable. You know, it was, pain, it was endurable, it was 
It was endurable, but it was painful. But when we did something that was really bad, she would say, wait until your dad comes home. Wait until your dad comes home. And if you're a kid or adult even, and you've heard your mom say that, you know things are not good. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's kind of an anticipation, the fear of the unknown. You know, the idea of both parents being in agreement about the need for spanking, you know, makes it even worse. You know, and even the intensity of the punishment, it's not just your mom, um, but dad was known for giving a harder punishment, a harder spanking. You know, when dad was involved, you knew it was bad. You know, the anticipation of dad coming home to spank us was nerve-wracking. You know, I would try to do, in between this time when, he, when mom said that, you know, I would try to do anything to change my mom's mind or to even weaken the punishment. If I couldn't make her change her mind, I would, I would want her to weaken the punishment. You know, I would, I would apologize a thousand times. You know, I'd promise that I would be nice uh, to my brother for the rest of my life. You know, I'd promise that I would never, ever, ever talk back to my mom ever again. You know, I tried everything in my power, in my manipulation to achieve the outcome that I wanted, which was not getting a spanking or to weaken the punishment. You know, I didn't know how to face my uncertain future, you could put it that way. You know, maybe dad would give me mercy when he came back home, or maybe, you know, my, my behind was going to feel his wrath. <laughs> you know, but it was certain that it was, it was going to happen. It wasn't uncertain, but I was uncertain about how it was going to happen. Yeah. You know, every time I heard the words, wait until your dad comes home, I dreaded the fact that I had to pay for my sins and that I had to face my uncertain future. You know, every one of us had had, um, has had or is currently going through or will have circumstances in our lives that we can't control. You know, it's certain that we're going to have to face our future, whether you like it or not. But since we're not God and we can't see what is in front of us, you know, per, from our perspective, our certain, um, our, our future is uncertain, excuse me. And we have the tendency to do everything and try to do everything in our power, um, our strength, our wisdom, and our abilities to achieve the outcome that we desire. Um, we know that we know from God's word and we know that it's preached and we're, not, and we're taught um, that God is in control and God blesses, um, but yet we like to help God out and do things our way. You know, our lives are, fa- um, are full of uncertainties that we are bound to face. You know, there will be time, there, there are times when uh, we have no idea how to face the battles of life. You know, facing the battles of life is something that we all fear today, yeah. me included, and it is exactly what Jacob was facing here in Genesis. You know, Jacob had to face Esau, you know, the brother who wanted to murder him the last time he saw him. Yes. Right. And the question that we need to answer today is, how in the world is Jacob going to face Esau? You know, how is, Jason, Jacob, going to be fa- is, going, how is Jacob going to be able to face Esau and survive? How is he going to face Esau? Um, going to be able to muster up the courage to face Esau and live. Yeah. And we know the life of Jacob. You know, uh, I know Pastor Jed has been going through the book of Genesis in uh, years, years previous, and Jacob had left home in fear of his life. You know, Esau had determined to kill him after Jacob stole his birthright, and later on, uh, he deceived his dad and stole Esau's blessing. And we see that Jacob spends the next 20 years of his life with Laban you know, his uncle. And as a result of lying to his dad, Jacob was lied to by Laban and had to live under his leadership. He had to live under his manipulative ways 
um, his devious ways. And Jacob got was essentially what he was dealing with. He's, he got what he deserved. Yes. Um, the deceiver, Jacob's name uh, means the deceiver, the supplanter, heel grabber. And in essence here, the deceiver was being deceived. And we can see that God, through this process of Jacob's life, he was humbling Jacob. And then as we progress on throughout Jacob's life, God is starting to put Jacob's life slowly back on course. Uh, Jacob had been on the run for the past 20 years, fearful of Esau and fearful of going back home to the land where God had promised him. We see that in, in Genesis 28. And then God commands uh, Jacob in chapter 20, in 31, to return to the land of his fathers. That's Canaan. And God promises to be with him. Amen. So even though God had promised Jacob that he would bless him uh, and give him the land, Jacob still tries to manipulate his way through God's plan. Right. And we see through one, verses 1 through 23 that uh, Jacob attempts to reconcile with, with Esau by manipulating through God's plan. Right. After Jacob had spent the past 20 years with Laban, Jacob, Jacob's on his way home. We see here in our passage, and we start here in, in, verse, uh, in verse 1. Jacob is on his way home, and he's fearful. Um, he's afraid. He has no idea where Esau is and knows that he will have to face Esau. And then we see here in, the, in, in verse 1, um, in the middle of nowhere, he sees the angelic hosts of God um, and calls the place Mahanaim, as you can see um, there in verse 2. And that basically means, you know, two camps, two hosts. Um, there's a lot of speculation on what that, that means, but... Um, it probably means God's host and my host. You know, God's camp and my camp. You know, Jacob understands, you know, God is watching over me. And, and God took the initiative to come and comfort Jacob here in verse 1 and 2. And Jacob is encouraged by this um, and, and sends messengers to Esau. So, so we see here that God sends messengers to Jacob, and in turn, Jacob sends messengers to Esau. Um, and he gives them the words to say. He gives his servants the words to say. You know, and there's sometimes, as believers, um, we know what God had said, and we know that God um, says that he's going to protect us. But oftentimes we can be fearful and doubt um, right. what he had said. You know, when you're in the in, in midst of the, a situation, you know, it's a little different. You know, God has given us his word, and it is good to hear that God will take care of you, you know, here in church when it is preached. But... It's different when you go out of these doors. And this is where exactly Jacob was. Uh, he sends these servants ahead of him, and they come back and say, Hey, Jacob, um, we met your brother Esau, um, but he's not alone. He has 400 men with him. And Jacob's like, how many? And they say, 400. And it says that Jacob was greatly afraid here in verse 7. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Um, and so as a result, he divides his camp into two. Yeah. And we already know that God said um, uh, that the angelic host met him and said, you know, Mahanaim, God's camp and my camp. But Jacob decides to divide his camp. Yeah. Uh, he decides to split his camp in two just in case Esau attacks, um, and s attacks one of them so that the other one can escape. And we see in chapter 33 that uh, the first people that he sends out is Bilhah and Zilpah, um, his two uh, maid servants, and then Leah, and then Rachel, and then himself, so he protects himself. You know, so he splits the camp in two so that if Esau attacks one of them, the other one can escape, and it won't be a total loss for Jacob. 
You know, what a mindset, huh? Uh, even though Jacob knows that uh, there is God's host and his host, Jacob is still working behind the scenes to get the outcome that he needs. And he's, and he's thinking, you know, even though I know what God had said, you know, I still need to take some action to help God out. So after, defining, uh, after de- uh, dividing the companies, um, Jacob prays here in verse 9, and he says, Oh, God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which thou hast said to me. And he's basically saying, Lord, you told me to do this. You know, have you ever been there? Lord, you've told me to do this. Um, you know, Lord, you told me to come back with my family. You've told me uh, that you would deal well with me, he says there. And he says, I am not worthy of your mercies. You know, the word mercies there is your covenant, the covenant God, that God made with him. You know, I'm not worthy for your truth. The word there is, for, is faithfulness. I'm not worthy of your faithfulness. You know, Jacob's prayer here is, is pretty genuine and pretty sincere. Um, and Jacob's finally praying to God and begging him to deliver him. But at the same time, he's looking to God, but he's also at the same time looking to himself. You know, have you ever been there? You know that God has brought you here. You know, you know that God has blessed and has things ahead of you, uh, ahead for you. But you look at your present situation and have no idea how it's going to work out. This is exactly where Jacob is. And he's crying out to God for help. And he says, deliver me, in verse 11. Rescue me, he's saying. Rescue me from Esau, for I fear him. And in verse 12, he goes back to God's promise. And uh, he says there in verse 12, and thou sayest, he's telling God, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. Um, And basically, Jacob's saying, you know, God, if Esau wipes us out, you know, where is all the sand of the sea going to be? And he's talking about his descendants. You know, how is your word going to be fulfilled if, G- if Esau wipes us out, if Esau wipes my family out? Uh, so Jacob knows that he's supposed to pray and trust God. Uh, but he says, you know, I'm going to divide the camp. I'm going to divide my camp in two. And then he says in the next verse, you know, I'm going to send Esau a big gift. So Jacob sends, if you, if you look with me in verse 13, Jacob sends Esau 550 animals. And it says here, he sends 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 female sheep, 20 rams, 30 female camels and their babies, 40 cattle, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 young horses. And I calculated that. And if we were to calculate how much that is worth Today, if you were to sell, a, sell cattle um, and sell these animals in today's money, um, it would be around $1.5 million. And that's not including the inflation that took place the past 3,500 years. So this is a pretty big gift that Jacob is sending uh, to Esau here, 550 animals. And, and we're assuming that Jacob picked the best of the best, the best quality animals. Um, you know, this, this gift was worth a huge, huge amount of money. And so Jacob uh, gave the animals to his servants, and he divides, divides them by droves, basically um, divides them by their, their type of animal and puts a servant and puts servants with them and separates them and says, hey, we need to separate them by droves and put a space in between them. And Jacob gives instructions to say, what to, eat, uh, to, say 
gives, us, gives the servants instructions what to say to Esau. And he says, when you meet Esau, and he asks you who you are, where you're going, and whose are these, I want you to say that these are thy servant Jacob's, sent to my lord Esau. And Jacob is coming behind us. And just in case Esau thought that Jacob was playing chicken or he was too scared to meet Esau, Jacob repeats and says, make sure to tell Esau that I'm coming, and I'm coming behind. Uh, Jacob repeats this message to the rest of the servants, the rest of the servants that are in in charge of the droves of animal. Um, And Jacob repeats this and hoping that that this gift would appease Esau. The word appease means to cover, to cleanse, uh, to atone. And in in, in essence, Jacob hopes that this gift to Esau would wipe his face clean of his anger. anger. Jacob wanted to bribe Esau with this gift. And the word... uh, Let's see, Jacob wanted to bribe Esau with this gift. And he says in verse 20, here you could read it with me, and and say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the the present that goeth before me. And after I will see his face uh, peradventure that he will accept of me. So the word face here actually in verse 20 appears three other times in this verse. Although it's not explicitly said face, um, the word uh, the word here, appease, um, before him, see his face, except of me is all the same Hebrew word. And it basically translates to um, the phrase, lift up my face. And Jacob is saying, I want you to send this gift, so hopefully, you know, he's saying that Esau, I, I want to send you this gift, so hopefully um, you won't be as angry with me, and so that you would lift up my face. You know, why, do, why does Esau need to lift Jacob's face up? What does that even mean? You know, well, because Jacob knew um, that he was guilty. Jacob saying, Esau, you know, I know I'm guilty. You know, I'm sorry for uh, stealing your birthright. I'm sorry for deceiving dad and uh, for stealing the blessing. You know, but here's a gift. Hope that makes you happy. Um, and, And he's hoping that Esau would say, you know, come to the point and say, I forgive you. Uh, and lift up Jacob's face. So Jacob's here, and he's thinking, so I've divided up the camp. You know, I, I, I protected myself. I, I've sent Bilhah, and then Zilpah, and then Leah, you go over here, and then Rachel, you stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jacob had everything under control. And so we see here that Jacob arose up in the night and took two of his wives, two of his maidservants, um, 11, his 11 sons, and passed over the Ford Jabbok and sent him over the river. And at this point here, Jacob is, is literally putting everything on the, on the line. Yeah. Um, Jacob's putting his entire family and all his assets and all his flock and all his animals and everything that he possessed on the line, and it's on the line. And we see here that Jacob was left alone. Yeah. He has sent his family and everything and uh, everything that he had over the Jordan River, and it was in the middle of the night um, it was dark, and Jacob, Jacob was afraid. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in the woods by yourself in the middle of the night, um, but even as an adult, it can get scary. Um, pitch black, you know, imagine you've sent all that you've had over the river and you're left alone. You know, I've been in the places where you're, where you're left all alone, you know, and I've gotten scared. This past summer, 
I was able to intern at Southwest Baptist Church, and it was a responsibility as our interns to lock up the church building um, late at night sometimes. And if you know Southwest, it's a three-story building with a basement, and one of us had to lock up the entire building by ourselves in the dark sometimes. And to be honest, you know, that was maybe the worst part of the internship because it was <laughs> dark and scary. You were alone and afraid. And this is exactly where Jacob was. You know, it was in the middle of the night, it was dark, and he was afraid. Yes. It was in the middle of the night, it was dark, and he was afraid. And in the middle of the night, you know, maybe he's trying to get some rest, but he gets jumped, um, and he begins a grappling match, as we read here. Um, and the word wrestle here comes from the word dusty. Um, and Jacob and this unknown man were rolling on the floor and getting dusty. You know, this wasn't a punching match. This wasn't a boxing match. Um, it was a grappling match. The word wrestle is literally the word for grapple. And they were pinning each other to the ground. I can imagine them uh, pinning them, putting them in chokeholds. You know, one of them gets free, and then other one takes the advantage. And uh, the entire time they were putting each, in, each other into chokeholds and grappling back and forth. And it's, the Bible says, until the breaking of the day, until the morning, um, I can imagine they were worn out. Um, and Jacob was wrestling this man who, had, who he had no idea who he was. It was in the middle of the night, so how could you know um, who in the world this man was? And I can imagine all Jacob was trying to do was get free from, from this unknown man. Right. And the Bible, saying, Bible says that it came to a point in the fight that this unidentified man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And Jacob's thigh was out of joint. You know, the word touched means either it could have been a gentle touch or it could have been a striking blow. And the word, um, and, it, and it totally crippled Jacob. And the word for out of joint literally means hanging there. So, so the hollow of Jacob's thigh is, is, you know, the pivotal point of his, his leg. And that's his hip, that's his the, the socket, his hip socket. Um, and it was literally hanging. That's the word for out of joint, hanging. And I don't know how much... Uh, you know, I don't know much about wrestling, uh, but I know that your hips and your legs are important for generating power, uh, keeping you stable, uh, generating, you know, leverage on, a, on, a, on another person. And instead of surrendering, Jacob, instead of Jacob surrendering and trying to get free from this man, um, you know, Jacob holds on to him. Yeah. You would think that a man who just got his hip dislocated, his leg hanging and failing, flailing, um, would want to get free from this man. Um, but Jacob decides to hold on to him. And he says here, you know, I'm not letting you go until thou bless me. Yeah. Bless me? What does that even mean? Who can bless except God? You know, based on what Jacob said, I think Jacob figured out who he was wrestling. He wasn't wrestling Esau. He wasn't face wrestling this unknown um, being. He was wrestling God. Yes. And evidently, God had limited himself uh, to allow Jacob to keep up yeah. in the match. You know, as a brother, you know, I kind of know what that feels like as an older brother. You know, you're, you're fighting maybe with your younger brother, your younger sibling, or maybe even with a young nephew or cousin or whatever, and you obviously have the upper hand, but you know, you're play fighting with them, and uh, you obviously at any time can overpower them, but um, you give up power in order for them uh, to punch you and wrestle you and pin you down. 
And this is what I think, you know, Jacob was experiencing, and God was limiting himself, you know, so that Jacob could put up a match. And God crippled Jacob's strength and crippled his manipulation. And Jacob realized who it was. And Jacob came to the point where he said, you know, I can't face Esau without your blessing, God. You know, I can imagine um, a dialogue between God and Jacob. And it's not in the Bible, and I'm just making this up, but, you know, God's saying, you know, Jacob, you, are you ready to, are you ready to face Esau? And Jacob's standing over here with his leg hanging and flailing, and he's like, yes, I am. And he's like, are you sure about that? And he says, yes, I've divided my camp. You know, I've sent Jacob, I've I've sent Esau this massive gift, this $1.5 million gift. He has, I'm, I'm ready to face him. And Jacob says, no, you're not ready to face him. And as a result, God says, and does something that maybe, well, caught me by surprise and maybe caught you surprised as you read it. And he says, and he asked Jacob for his name. We know that God knew Jacob's name already. You know, the last time Jacob was asked his name um, was by his dad. And what did, he, what did, what did Jacob say? Jacob, saw, Jacob said Esau. Um, and Jacob responded to God by saying, Jacob. You know, by giving his name, Jacob confessed his nature. Uh, Jacob meaning supplanter, deceiver, heel catcher, heel grabber, deceiver. By saying his name, Jacob was owning up to who he really was, a deceiver. So God says, your, your name is no longer going to be called Jacob, uh, but Israel. El, meaning God. Uh, Israel, meaning mighty with God. God fights. That's basically what he's naming him. God fights. So Jacob says, so God says, Jacob, as you go out back into the land and you're facing the battle of your life, I need you to understand that is not your strength that is sufficient. In fact, in the last 20 years of your life, the last, uh, the last your lifetime, um, to be certain, your strength, um, it was insufficient. You know, you need to understand as you face the battles of your life, Jacob, um, that it is not your strength in your strength but it is my strength that will take care of you. Amen. So we ask the question, what, how, how in the world is Jacob going to be able to face Esau, right? And Jacob is going to be able to face Esau by realizing that he could not face, his own, uh, face him in his own strength, but in God's strength. Amen. And today you will not be able to face your uncertain future. I will not be able to face my uncertain future until you realize that it is only God's strength that is sufficient. You know, we have a tendency to take matters into our own hands, just like Jacob, um, when we're facing the battles of our lives. You know, we do everything in our strength. We do everything in our power. We do everything in our abilities. We do everything in our talents. And sometimes even in our uh, manipulation tactics um, to get the results that we want. We think that our strength is sufficient. And you will not be able to face your future until you realize that your best effort your best abilities, your talent, your best wisdom is insufficient. Jacob was not able to face Esau until he came face to face with God. And that's the place where, the the place that he wrestled with God, he names the place Peniel, and that simply means 
I have seen God face to face. Jacob was not able to face Esau until he came face to face with God. And today you won't be able to face your uncertain uh, future until you come face to face with God. Those who are unsaved in this world, you know, they will not be able to face eternity without coming face to face with God. You know, how are you going to face God uh, knowing that you're a sinner? You know, until you come to the realization, uh, realization uh, that your righteousness are as filthy rags and that your power is insufficient, and you come humbly before God and, realizing, and realize that there is nothing that you can do to save yourself and ask God to save you. You know, His strength will save you, not you. God's power will save you. Your power will not save you. You know, you cannot face that financial burden without coming face to face with God. You know, you think if I put a little money here and I put a little money there, um, if, I, if I work here, if I move here um, and spend my time, more of a, my time over here, then I'll be able to face that financial burden. You will not be able to face that financial burden until you, become, until you come face to face with God um, and realize that your power will always be insufficient and only God's power is sufficient. You cannot face your broken relationship um, with that spouse or with that friend until you come face to face with God. Uh, your marriage is not where it's supposed to be. And you think if I work really hard here, if I really work hard in this area, um, and go, you go to, go to this person for advice, go to this person for advice, and you're not going to God for, that, for advice, you know, and do everything in, you think you can do everything in your power to make this work, uh, and then everything would be fine. You cannot face the battle of having a godly relationship until you come face to face with God and realizing that uh, only God's strength is sufficient Amen. and that your strength is insufficient. God's strength is sufficient enough to help you through this. You know, you cannot face the battle um, of parenting a wayward child until you come face to face with God and realizing that yes, you can do your best to raise them in a godly household um, with godly counsel, um, but if you don't come to the realization um, that your best efforts and your best abilities um, it will always come short until you put your, until you put your full dependence um, on God uh, and trust him to bring your uh, child back to him. Amen. You know, you, will, you cannot face knowing the will of God uh, until, you be, until you come face to face with God. And you cannot fa- face the trial of a lost family member or a lost loved one until you come face to face with God. You know, that's an uncertain future. And something that we can't control, but until you come face to face with God and realize that there's nothing in your power, nothing in your ability, nothing in your best effort um, that can change the future, um, you need to realize that your strength is not sufficient and God's strength is sufficient. Amen. You will not be able to face God, face your future until you realize that your power is insufficient and only God's power is sufficient to help you get through it. You know, God has a way with wrestling us and breaking us in order uh, to realize that we are insufficient. You know, he may have to take away your job. He may have to take away your health. He may have to take your uh, talents away. He may have to take away your abilities um, and touch you in a way um, that you thought, touch you in a way, in an area that you thought you were strong in, um, in order to humble you. You know, Pastor Gaddis once said, Uh, one time, that God can allow you to face the consequences of your actions in order to expose the insufficiency of your own ways. God can allow you to face the consequences of your own actions in order to expose the insufficiency 
of your own ways. That's good. And I'm thankful that God wrestles us down in order to help us realize, realize that our ways are insufficient. Yep. Now, Jacob was not able to face Esau. Jacob was not able to face his future until he realized that only God's strength was sufficient. Amen. And today, you will not be able to face the battles of life until you come face to face with God and realize that only God's strength is sufficient. Good Let's pray.